Good morning, church, and welcome to Missions Month at Greenville First. If you were here last week, you know we opened with our missions pillar of church planting, and Pastor Charlie Dawes delivered such a timely word of why the church exists, and this is precisely why we need to plant more churches. That's right. If you missed it, make sure to catch up on our website or app. Now, if you're new to the church in general or just new to our church, we want to take a moment to share our heart for missions. Our mission is directed from the words of Jesus to go and make disciples. Now, we don't believe that our assignment is just limited to our world, but it starts right here. That's why on Sunday, November 29th, we will exchange our worship service for an opportunity to reach into our city to help with another missions pillar of local transformation. Brittany and I are actually standing in the community of Poe Mill where Reach Day will take place. If you are available, we want you to make plans and join us. But if you can't be here in person, you can still help make this day possible. As you came in today, you may have noticed the bags in the lobbies. These are our love bags and attached to them, you will find a list of things that are needed as we reach into our community to love more. We would love for you to take a bag or bags and return them next Sunday. For those joining us online, be sure to visit the website or app for a complete list and info for how you can participate. Last week, we talked about how over the past year, we've established four pillars for global missions, church planting, the next generation, local transformation, and hard to reach places. And all of our global missions efforts are funded through Kingdom Builders. So everything you give through Kingdom Builders is helping to further the mission around the world. One of the great joys is when we see our missions efforts actually connect to multiple pillars. And today we have some incredible missionaries that many of you may have worked with before in other parts of the world. And through their oversight, they're seeing projects and their efforts in each of our pillars throughout all of Central America. That's right. Will you please give a warm welcome to Jay and Nancy Dickerson as they come to the stage and present the message today. Well, good morning. What a great day to be here, to be, they're wondering, okay, what's, what's all the stuff they have? Just, just hold on. We'll, you know, we're not going to play kick the can yet, but um, we're going to be sharing today. But we want to thank you as a church for your, um, partnership with us for all the years we've been serving in Central America. What a great legacy, and we appreciate that. And we appreciate pastors. We appreciate your heart for the world. I was telling her this morning, when I grow up, I want to have your vision. You just, you're just a visionary, and God's going to use that to make an impact on so many. Thank you for, for partnering with us, and thank you for just the prayers. And this year, we're celebrating... Um, how many years? 25, 25 years. years. We were 12 when we went out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but, we, well, we're Jay and Nancy Dickerson, and we have the privilege of serving as area directors in Central America. We have about 100 missionaries throughout the seven countries of Central America, and we do ask for prayer for them, because this has been a, while it's been a tough year here, it has been really over the top in our part of the world. Yes. You might not know, but statistics show us that 50% of all the deaths from COVID are happening in our part of the world, in Latin America and Caribbean, where they only have 15% of the population. So it's, it's a real thing, and we've had friends who've passed away. One of our national leaders in, in Nicaragua passed away early on pastors, leaders, it, it's been, it is really taken a toll and, and pray for our workers throughout Central America because they've been protected. They haven't had uh, caught the virus, but 
Um, they just have, everything's just been different for them, hasn't it? It has definitely slowed things down tremendously with um, your ability to be able to minister and to go out and, and, and meet needs. It's looked different this time, the, through this. But you know, in the middle of it looking different, in the middle of things kind of seeming hopeless at times, we're not without hope. That's right. I love Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, that say, you know, we're going to suffer. This life is not promised that we won't suffer. We're going to suffer. But through our suffering comes perseverance. Amen. Through our perseverance, we build character. And through character, we have hope. The hope that only comes from God. Amen. And he is in the middle of doing some wonderful things. In fact, in El Salvador, we um, there was a group of of that wanted to go out and minister to a community, a very poor community. And, and so they really prayed about it and they, they gathered together enough food for a hundred for, okay. We've been told to keep the mics near us, you know, we're, I'm bad. um, I'm I'm all over the place, Um, (laughs) but they gathered enough food for a hundred bags of food and they were excited. They knew that it wasn't going to meet the needs of the community, but they were excited to go out and be able to present Jesus because he's our hope. And they went out that day and they saw people getting saved and they saw miracles happening. That's right. And at the end of the day, they're all kind of sharing back and forth what happened and how God moved. And one of the team members said, but wait a minute, do you remember how many bags we had? Well, yeah, we had a hundred bags of food, but do you know how many bags we gave out? We gave out 200 bags of food. Let me tell you. God is in the, yes, he multiplies what we give him. And these people went out faithfully and God met the need of families that day through salvation, through healings and through provisions. That's right. So we're not hopeless, but we do ask for your continued prayer. About a week ago, Hurricane Etta came through and just, just such devastation um, so many places were impacted and people are still flooding and trying to get food in. And then tomorrow we have, it, unless the Lord changes the direction, Hurricane Iota is coming and it's going to be following the same path. So would you pray for us? Would you pray for our, our, our countries? For our Because there are just so many people who are impacted now and we're just saying, Lord, do a miracle. Turn the, turn the hurricane, whatever it needs to happen so there won't be more death and, and destruction. But um, So right now, you know, uh, tough place. And it's, mm-hmm. that's what we've been experiencing throughout Central America. And I love the theme and I love the pillar that the church has chosen about, about going to the hard places, the tough places. And when we start talking about tough places, I mean, our heart goes to the Arab world, to the Buddhist world, where there's so many people who have yet to hear the good news. But, but we also need to realize that there are tough places, hard places all over the world where people are resistant to the good news, mm-hmm. resistant to the gospel. One of the places that is always on my mind and I pray for regularly is Mexico City. Now think about this. Mexico City has about 30 million people who live there. You compare that to the population of Alabama, Georgia, North and South Carolina. They add up to 30 million people in those four states in this one huge town. Well, in the four, in the Assemblies of God in those four states, Alabama, Georgia, North and South Carolina... There are about a thousand AG churches, but if you compare the same number to the 30 million in Mexico City, there are only 30 churches. 
And you ask the question, why? Why is it such a tough place? I mean, there's crime, there's all kinds of things. But I wonder at time if we've really understood what Jesus was saying when he shared in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 38, around 35 to 38, Jesus had been with the crowds. They'd been ministering and touching. And all of a sudden, he looked around, and he was so filled with compassion. He said, the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few. It says, pray earnestly for more laborers. And the word he uses there, earnestly, is not just like, oh God, it was like a screaming out, a desperate prayer. It's the same word they used when they were, were casting out devils. It was the word ekbalo. And so he said, ekbalo, we need people crying out with ekbalo for, for more workers. And I believe that, I mean, God is sovereign. He can do what he wants to, but it does seem to be the word saying he responds to our prayers. And maybe Mexico City, maybe some of these places, there aren't enough people screaming out ekbalo. Wow. I love the story of a, of a man named Dick Simmons. He was so burdened for his town, his city, New York City, that he began crying for workers. And it talks about, the story is he was over the Hudson River screaming, screaming, Lord, send workers. The gangs are overtaking. We have such huge needs and we need more laborers. He was screaming out so loudly that the neighbors called the police. He was disturbing the peace. That's a cool way to disturb the peace, isn't it? Well, the police came and they were scared of him. They wouldn't arrest him because there was such a presence. He was screaming, Lord, send workers. And at the same time that he was praying that prayer, God was speaking to a young man two hours south in Philadelphia about the needs of New York City. And that young man's name was David Wilkerson. God called him to go, but I believe that he was responding to the prayers of somebody crying Amen. out for workers. Amen. You might never hear the name Dick Simmons. You might never know that name, but you'll know the name David Wilkerson because so many people have come to the kingdom. But what if Dick Simmons had not prayed? What if he hadn't been calling out for the workers? While the world doesn't know Dick Simmons' name, God does. Amen. And maybe you and I'll be the ones who are crying out for workers and the world won't know us, but God will. You know, one of those tough places is um, Nicaragua in a little community called Acawalinka. It's the garbage dump. And um, there was a, a little girl, her, a baby, that was left on the garbage dump three days old. And the little boys playing around the garbage dump that day heard the cries. And, and one of them ran home and got his mom. Mom, you've got to come. You've got to come. There's, we hear a baby crying. And the mom came and she picked up that little baby and took that baby home and cleaned her up and began to care for her. And it would be about two weeks before um, the grandmother realized that her granddaughter was in that community. You see, her daughter was a prostitute and never wanted the baby. And made it known that she wasn't going to keep the baby. And so when the grandmother heard about this baby, she realized that was her granddaughter. And she went to that home and she knocked on the door and she said, this is my granddaughter. Would you please let me have her and raise her? I want her to know she is loved. And the neighbor says, well, of course. So Josepha grew up in grandmama's house. But Josepha always felt unworthy. She heard kids, oh, your mom's a prostitute. Oh, yeah, that's her. She, she, her mom's a prostitute. She doesn't even know who her daddy is. 
all of her life, she heard that. Well, when she was about six years old, there was a group of missionaries that would go to her school and they would do an assembly. And in this assembly, she would raise her hand and accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She finally had a father. She was given the book of hope that day and went home and shared it with her grandmother. And this was such a such an answer for Josepha that she continued to grow in the Lord. We had a there's a community there's a community center there that was built by our missionaries. That's a feeding center that also helps kids with tutoring. And she would go there for food and for the tutoring, but she would hear the word of God. Amen. And as she grew up, she became a, became a part of that community, of that um, center. Her grandmother would tell her frequently, honey, if your mommy ever comes by here, don't ever go with her. She is bad, and you do not want to go with her. But in Josepha's heart, she had prayed, Lord, I want to know my mom. I want her to know you. And so please bring her. Please let me tell her about Jesus. Well, when Josepha was 13, her mother appeared in that community. And she went up, the, the mother went up to Josepha and starts talking to her. And Josepha thinks, oh, this is my time to tell my mom about Jesus. And so Josepha's mom lures her onto the bus and they get headed back into town. And her grandmother heard about it. And she's like, oh, no. She calls the police immediately and says, please, I know what brothel she's going to. Please intervene. This is my granddaughter. So the police get there just at the time as Josepha is about to be handed off to a man. And the police intervene and take her, bring her back to her grandmother's house at the garbage dump. And she walks in and she says, oh, Grandmama, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just wanted her to know Jesus. That night, as she picked up her little piece of cardboard to lay down on it, she said, Lord, you have saved me three times. You saved me on the garbage dump. Mm -hmm. You came into my life as my Lord and Savior when I was six years old, and Father, you've come in and rescued me again tonight. I will serve you. I will do whatever you want me to do. I am yours, all of me, Father. Today, you'll find Josepha at that community center that was built by our missionaries telling kids about Jesus. And as she leaves, kids follow her around. Josepha has a youth group of about 100 kids. She goes throughout Nicaragua proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Tough places, tough places. But what happens when we don't respond? What happens when we don't Pray, Lord, send workers to the tough places. Amen. I love the story of Joseph, and I love the story of the missionaries who were involved there and sharing the Book of Hope, doing the assemblies. These missionaries were young bucks. They were like late 60s and mid-70s when they built this feeding center. Um, so it just goes to show, you know, that God uses each of us. And it, it, it was a tough time. I, I remember, you know, they them serving and having to leave the field. But what we've, I learned through them is that answering the call at times is costly. Yeah. Answering the call at times is tough, 
But what happens to Josepha if we don't listen to that call? If we don't, or if someone is not crying out for them? Uh, today for our scripture, I, I'd like to, to bring the, the, the reference into 2 Samuel chapter 24. And it's the story of David. And it's really, it, it shows that, that the offering, that the, that the cost, uh, there is cost in, in, in serving the Lord. There's also cost in seeing life being changed. Just to kind of give you some context for the story. Um, David was the king. He was a wealthy king, very powerful. And I think he kind of got a little fat and sassy. And he said he was going to send out. He said, I want to do a census to see how strong my kingdom is. Well, he had people around him. One of the guys, Joab, and if you follow the story of Joab, he wasn't a real godly leader, but he knew that, that this was the wrong thing. David, you shouldn't be asking for a census. That's something only God can do. And David says, no, I need to know. So Joab obeyed him and went out and did the census, counting up all the warriors. And in the middle of that, David realized he'd made a mistake. And so he repented and said, Lord, um, I was wrong. You know, uh, please forgive me. And God in his goodness was willing to forgive, but there was a price to pay. There was a consequence for his sin. And so the story comes on about that he had a choice. There are going to be three options of, of evil. And he chose the one there would be a pestilence for a plague for, for three days. And it goes in the story in that 70,000 people were killed. And then just about the moment where that, that he was, where that death angel or whatever you want to call it was about to destroy Jerusalem, they said, stop. And the prophet came to David and said, if you will build an altar to the Lord, you can stop this plague, you can stop this death. And so the story picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 19 to 25, and it says this, So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Orana saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Orana asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Arana said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may your Lord, your God, accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed uh, burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. When you see this story, you, you see a, a powerful story. Um, we see that David was, was going, he realized his sin, but he was going to make an, an, uh, build an, uh, an altar to stop the plague. And he went and he met this man, Arana, and Arana knew who he was. He was King David. And he said, what do you want, king? And David said, I want to buy your piece of land and make an offering, burnt offering, so we can stop this plague, so we can see the lives saved. And Arana said to him, well, here's the stuff. Here's the, the offering. Here's the land. Take it. It's yours. 
And David said, I will not offer anything to the Lord that costs me nothing. And it says, if you read the story between that and First and Second Chronicles, you begin to see that he was going to pay a significant price. It probably was up to three or $400,000 he was willing to pay for this peace line. It was going to cost him something to, to build this altar. But you know, the person who gave the most that day wasn't King David. Arana, this was his, his property. This was That's all right. he had. This was an, his inheritance to pass on to his kids. Mike up, baby. And not only that, when, when Arana saw King David coming, he was overwhelmed. Here is Matt. Here, here the king was coming to where he lived. And when he went up to him and said, what, what, do, what do you want me to give? What, what can I, how can I help you? What, what do you need? He said, I want to buy the land. And he, oh, no, 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 you don't have to buy the land. No, let me give it to you. And not only that, my goodness, you don't have wood for the offering if, you're gonna, if you want to build an offering to the Lord. Here, take, the, take the, the, the yoke from the oxen and then take the oxen and, and here's flour, here's the wheat. Just, just sacrifice it. Take what I have. I offer you everything that I have for you, for you, king. You know, it makes me sometimes think how often the Lord says, Nancy, I need you to give something. And I'm like, ooh, I, I, I don't know, Lord, that, that might be a little costly. Are you sure? Let me think about this. When Arana saw the king coming, he never, never hesitated for a minute to say, what do you need? That's right. It was king. Oh, Father God, that I would say, Lord, here I am. Whatever, whatever you need from me, whatever I can do for you, because I honor you. Send me to the hardest places. Let me pray the prayers that you need prayed for the lost to be found, Father. I give you my all. There, there's a great risk in obeying the voice of God. For Arana, the potential of giving all he had meant he might not have anything left. And so I don't want to say to you, it's just easy to always obey the Lord. There is risk and there can be tough times. But our, our Lord deserves our, our very best. And we want to give an illustration of when we served in Belize for a number of years, we learned about this ancient ball game called Polk to Polk. Polk to Polk was a game that was played in a, in a court and it was similar to kind of a cross between basketball and soccer. But the thing about this game, it was they had an 8 to 10 pound rubber ball. You couldn't use your hands, you had to use your hips. You'll see, you had to use your hips to get the ball going, to move the ball down the court. And the, the, they had this small basket. Yeah, a small basket like on the side, and you had to, kind of like basketball, you had to knock it up with your hip or with your, then hit with your shoulder, but your hands could not be used. Your feet could not be used. The thing about this game is that when the winner was declared, it said that either the team captain or sometimes the team was sacrificed to the gods because they would only sacrifice to their gods the very best. You know, the second place could play the next day, but first place, uh, you're done. This is when second place might not be so bad. Um, but the whole thing that gets me is that you want to give your very best. Sacrifice whatever it may be. 
Sometimes we don't think about the sacrifice of what God's asking of us. Sometimes we do think about it and say, oh, no, not me, Lord. But when God asks us Mm. to give him our very best, Mm. he's doing that because he wants to use us. He wants us to be the Dick Simmons standing in the gap. What a privilege, what an honor to be able to say, here am I, Lord, use me. Yeah, the, the whole idea of not knowing the future, just hearing the voice of God. When we started ser- serving as missionaries, we started in Belize, and we were there. We were pastoring. We were involved in children's ministry, youth ministry. In fact, one of the ones this morning that was with us was talking about being in a, in a team, a medical team. We were doing a church building there. But early on, um, the Lord spoke to us about starting a high school. And we said, Lord, we're missionaries high school, shouldn't we be starting more churches? But we began to realize there was a huge need in the country because when kids finished primary school at 13 years old, only half of them could continue on to high school. Um, So if you had money or good grades, there was a place for you. But what if you didn't have the best grades or what if you didn't have the funds? So the Lord spoke to us about starting New Hope High School. We had come home, and this church helped us raise some money to, mm-hmm. to build some buildings, to get some things going. And so we thought, okay, we have the Lord's voice. You know, we're ready to go. We, we, we start. The, the government gave us a piece of paper of a piece of land that we could use. So we started building. And one day somebody came by and says, what are you doing? And said, well, we're building a high school. Well, why are you building it on my property? I said, oh, no, no, we have a piece of paper. And he said, I have a piece of paper too. And his paper trumped my paper because he was Belizean and we were foreigners. So we lost a significant investment. We went back to the government. They said, oh, yes, we made a mistake. You can sue us, but we have no money. We'll just give you another piece of land. So they gave us another five acres, a little out of town. And I bet it was a really nice piece of land if you could get to it. You know, if you had a helicopter, so it was like worthless. We're going, okay. They said, oh, yeah, if you'll go further north, we'll give you another piece of land. And we're going through all this process. They were willing to give us this big hole. And I said, you know, Nancy, we're not looking for work. We're pastoring. We're doing all these ministries. We don't need to do this. I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired of having the door slammed in my face. I'm tired of a piece of paper that somebody else has. And um, let's, let's forget this. And Nancy so graciously said, well, that's fine, but what is the Lord saying? She played the God card. I'm going, I know what the Lord is saying, but it was just so tough getting through the process, going through all the hoops and everything. But finally, the day came where we were able to open New Hope High School. It's real interesting because when we um, decided we would we would open the school for registration, we didn't have any kind of a campaign or anything ready. We just we didn't have Josh to build a, no, a plan no, for us. Uh-uh. No, we I've needed. I've got anointing today. I've got the mic that says your name. So there's a special vision. You know, we're learning today. Anyway. Um. But we went and we opened the door to the first classroom building. wasn't even finished, and we started having people come by. And we had decided we'd have 15 students in each of our three buildings. So 45 students we would start with. When we closed that day, we had 99 applications for kids who wanted to come to New Hope High School. We began that school year with 99 students and 100 plus on a waiting list. 
it was in, it was just an incredible time. And it was one of those times that you're like, wow, you know, we, we went through a lot to get there. And sometimes when the Lord asks us to do something, we, we think it's going to be easy, right? Because God asked us to do it. Tough place. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was very difficult. And along the way though, the Lord was so faithful and he was so good to us. When we started that school, we were, we were excited. And, and one of the great opportunities I had at that school was to teach Bible and leadership. So every day I had those students for Bible and leadership. It was fantastic. We saw kids getting saved. We saw kids growing in the Lord. And it was just so exciting. Along with this, we had a work-study program because some kids could not even afford the little bit of money that we would, we would charge dues monthly, and they, they couldn't afford it. So we said, you know what? We'll do a work-study program so that those who can't afford, they could work an hour or two each week and, and work off their bill. We had one little girl, beautiful little girl, Elizabeth. Great smile, always did her homework. She was at school on time. Her grades were great. And Elizabeth, I had her the last class before we dismissed and it would be time to do the, the school chores. And I'd say, Elizabeth, today, I know, miss, I know, miss, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm like, okay, okay. But I'm telling you, the bell would ring and she disappeared. It's like Houdini appeared, did a magic spell, and she was gone. I thought, man, what in the world? We'd call her in. She'd cry. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be there. Please, please let me do it. I'll be there the next time. What we did not realize is that Elizabeth never wanted to leave New Hope High School. Because New Hope High School for Elizabeth was a refuge. Elizabeth's mom was living with a man who was paying the rent and helping to provide food. And he felt that part of his benefit was to abuse Elizabeth every afternoon from between, after school until her mom came home in the evening. I wish that we could have saved Elizabeth from that, but what we gave Elizabeth was an education that would give her a lift the out. The only yeah. way she could get out of that situation was through an education and getting a job and moving out. You know, sometimes we don't understand when God sends us to a tough place. Right. We think it's got to be easy because God said go. Everything's just going to happen the way we want it to. Sometimes tough places, God works in us to do something that right. we never would have thought would have happened. Yeah. And we saw this. Our obedience to God in a tough place was Elizabeth's freedom. That's right. What is your obedience to God going to mean? Mm. What freedom do you hold for someone who's never heard about Jesus? That's right. That's right. For someone who maybe lives next door you work with. Maybe it's a family member. Right. Obedience. Your obedience to God in a tough spot could be freedom for someone else. Amen. We can share a lot of great stories of those who've come through the, those first years of New Hope, and the school's doing very well. Um, but as we've traveled back into Belize, because of our, our job, we get to go back to Belize, we began to realize there was a systemic problem, a huge crisis uh, in our churches in, in Belize. Past couple of years, there was a couple of national leaders who moral failures 
to a level I've never seen, financial, using funds, and it's just over and over again that there's a problem in Belize that, and we love Belize, so we can share this, but men will have a family and then a sweetheart on the side, and that's just kind of accepted. And unfortunately, it's entered the church as well. So we started looking, Lord, what can we do? We don't have, we have some people who have great leadership abilities, but yet there's no character following along. There's a crisis for pastoral leadership in the country. So the Lord has spoken to us about going back to New Hope and to other places in the country and starting a program we're calling Project Accelerate. And the idea is to build a, an intensive character building program, obstacle course, boot camp, serious challenge. We're going to be challenging young people to live a life of purity in a culture that mocks purity. Now we're looking at this and we're looking at, at us. We're looking at our limitations. We're looking at, at our resources, our time. And we're thinking, Lord, can we really make a difference? Hmm. Well, all those things we don't have, what we do have is the voice of God yeah. saying yes and go and, and, and move forth. So would you pray with us as we enter in an unknown territory? And um, we're looking forward to Greenville First being involved with this, you know, physically as well. But uh, that was just the Lord speaking through me, just kind of giving. But it's, I, I don't want to minimize this. We have heard the Lord speak to us in the past and we've seen him do tremendous things. This is a new, uh, new thing. It's a tough place. We're asking to, to change a culture. Um, but pray with us for, for future pastors, future business leaders, future prime minister from, from Project Accelerate and that God would help us. Amen. You know, the tough places, the places that people are resistant, the places that people haven't heard yet. Um, your turn. <laughs> I can get going. Tag, you're it. I know. Yeah. I know. You know, we do ask for prayers for Belize because we know that we are partners together. You all have been so instrumental in what the Lord has done with us, through us, throughout Central America. And so one more time, we unashamedly come and say, please pray with us that the Lord would help us as we go into this next tough area that he's called us to, to impact the youth our next generation in Belize. You know, David gave something that, that, yes, it was costly, but he had the resources for it. Arana was going to give everything right. because he respected and he honored his king. The Mayans, they would give their very best to the gods. That's right. False gods. False gods, yes. Gods, plural. But... What are we willing to give? Hmm. When God says, I need you, what are we willing to give? Try. What are we willing to sacrifice to see the lost come to know him in tough places? Yeah, I, I'm overwhelmed with, with Jesus' words in, in Matthew 9, 38. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. Pray for, for workers. Every day at 10.02, my alarm rings, and it's reminding me of Luke 10.2, of calling out workers. And I want to challenge you to be a Luke 10.2 or a Matthew 9.38. Be a Dick Simmons who is willing to call forth with all your heart for more laborers in the tough places that God would raise up workers. There'd be a great harvest of workers, but we're needing more laborers. Amen. So pray with us that way. Amen. Amen. But whether it's Mexico City 
whether it's, it's Cairo, Egypt, or Jordan, or, or whether it's in the loss in your town, God is looking for those who are willing to stand in the gap, pray for workers, and as David did, build an altar. Amen. That cost them. To see a difference in our world, in the tough places, it will take people who are willing to stand in the gap and pay the price. As we close, we want to pray for you in just a minute, but we also we want to request that you pray for not only us, but for all your missionaries. And we call it the three, three P's of missionary prayer. Our first P is presence. We feel like Moses right now when he said in, in uh, Exodus, Father God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't I'm want to leave going. from here. And I think that we feel that way. Father God, if your presence isn't going with us, we'll just sit right here until you're ready to move. But we know that he's called us and we know that he's good. So we just ask you to pray that his presence always leads us. His presence goes with us. The next, second P is, is for protection. Uh, as we go crazy places, our missionaries go crazy places. We do ask for protection these next two days as a hurricane is, is, is coming through, that God would spare Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador and Nicaragua one more time because they're needing protection. God is able. And our third is provision. You know, one more time, the Lord's calling us to do something. And we're like, really, God? How are we going to do that? But we know He's got it. Right. We know that it's going to cost about $50 a student to get them through this program, but God's got it. Right. So we would just ask that you would take our prayer card, and they're located out there on, the, on one of the little tables as you go out. Pray for us, those three Ps, that the Lord would, would surround us with His presence, that He would protect us as we go, and that He would be our provider. Now, as we close, we want to lead you in prayer. And, you know, we talk about tough places, but sometimes the toughest place is our heart. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've faced difficulties. And we just wonder, is there any hope? But I have good news for you. There is hope in Jesus. We live in a time where there's so much division, so much hatred, so much judgment. I just want you to know something, that Jesus wants to embrace you today. He wants to wrap his arm around you, whether you're here or even some who are listening online. As Nancy says, Jesus has us. He cares for you, and he is the God of hope. And so as we pray in these next few minutes, I wonder, would you pray with us? And we will lead you in a simple prayer of salvation, realizing that your past is, is, is under the blood, and he's willing to give you a new life. Do you need hope today? There's hope in Jesus. So, Nancy, lead us in prayer. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and Jesus. just share about what you've called us to do. And, Father, I pray that you would just ignite the hearts of those here, those online, to be Dick Simmons, to cry out for the lost. Yes, to be willing to pray for people to go to those tough places and maybe send some of these to go to those tough places. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And I want to give you the opportunity. If, you, if you're maybe feeling, I, yeah, I'm the toughest person there is, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Father God, Father God, I pray today. I pray today that you would take this tough heart. That you would take this tough heart. That you would do surgery. That you would do surgery. That you would 
melt the hardness that I have felt. That you would melt the hardness that I have felt. The loss of hope that I've experienced. The loss of hope that I've experienced. I pray right now. I pray right now. That you would forgive me of my sins. That you would forgive me of my sins. That you would wash me clean. That you would wash me clean. Father God, I stand before you. Father God, I stand before you. With hands upraised. With hands upraised. With a heart open to you. With a heart open to you. Do your work, Father. Do your work, Father. I thank you. I thank you. I praise you, I Father. I praise you, Father. I am yours. I am yours. And I ask this in your precious name. And I ask this in your precious name. Amen.